You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, playing underground music since 1969. Follow us on Twitter at KUCI FM or like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash KUCI 88.9. This way, you can be the first to know when we will be giving away tickets to your favorite concerts, festivals, and events. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCI.org. Good morning, Irvine, and welcome to another great episode of Sports Matters. I am your host, Kevin Drake, and it's May 29th. Tuesday morning, and your other host, Mr. Matt Bird Sports. How you doing this morning? Can't complain. Good as can be. Boy, what a beautiful weekend it was. Memorial weekend. Some restaurants were open. I saw there were some new designs they have where they got plastic and plexiglass everywhere. It's almost like we're, we go out to eat and we're just in a bubble. Have you ever heard of the ramen restaurant where you eat by yourself? There's a, in Japan, there's like this famous ramen restaurant that's owned by a famous person who makes ramen. I don't know his name. Don't ask me the specifics of it, but go and look it up. You sit in individually isolated booths and they hand you it through like a little slot. You know how they would hand people prison food where you open up the little slot and you hand it out? <laughs> <laughs> they have that in Japan and you sit in a little isolated booth and you get ramen. It's supposed to be really good. That's, that's really cool. It, yeah, that's perfect for COVID, you know. One, it sounds delicious. Food. Yeah. Two, it's COVID-19 proof. Three, you get a great meal. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I love that. It was a nice weekend. I definitely did some biking and hiking. That's mainly what I've been doing lately for exercise. My weight's kind of like topped out. Now I'm starting to drop a little bit of <laughs> usually how it goes. Usually how it goes. Not working. You don't realize those the those hours, those 30 hours a week. Yeah, that was definitely keeping my weight in check. Once you're not moving around, boom, it starts to fill up. But I'm excited. There's some live sports coming up. I hear you have an NBA update. So we know a lot of the practice facilities have already opened. Yeah. Some regulations. And so what the NBA, I heard, is going to start practicing June 2nd. June 2nd, they're going to open up recalling players to go to the practice facilities or they're going to have individual time slots for them to go and work out. But they are starting to move towards playing basketball. They're looking to play in July is what I've been reporting at a isolated area. It's well, they like- do a soft opening where they just bust it out on Father's Day. That would be awesome. Well, well that'd, that'd be too soon. A, that's a lot. Because you have to get people up and to speed, and you have to essentially have a training camp. So that's three weeks. But they are Think moving- about it. It's like you had a two-and-a-half-month layoff since the last game that was played, mm-hmm. and now you're going to start to playoffs. It's like, oh, two-and-a-half-month layoff, and now you start to playoffs? You're asking for injuries. So, yes, you got to take your time and do it right. Build them up slowly. I like the plan. They're going to jump right to the playoffs. Is that what I hear? I think they're going to have a five-game warm-up. So there'll be five games. The last five games of the season are the teams you're going to play. And then they'll jump into playoffs from what I've heard. So the playoffs will, let's say tentatively they start the 4th of July weekend. That's like the opening weekend. And then they play out the five games over the next two weeks. So the playoffs would probably start the beginning of the third week of July. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, if they're just going to do the the normal four rounds of best of seven, 
with the eight yeah. seeds on each side. That'll take you through August and September would be your finals. Yep. September would be your finals. And then yep. you probably have your draft after that so that it doesn't disrupt really. And they were talking about starting the season later. They said probably Christmas Day would be the opening day. And we have always said that. We've Hearing that, that is music to my ears. That's when the NBA really starts is on Christmas Day. Essentially, yes, those games count. I'm ready for some live sports. I know, me too. I'm ready for some live sports. We do have some in the form of Korean baseball and Bundesliga soccer, but I am looking forward to having our American sports back up and running for sure. Korean baseball, though, you're right. There's actually several players that used to play in the MLB that are playing in the Korean Baseball League, which is there, pretty yeah. cool. So it's kind of like um, how MLS soccer, they have one designated player that you can spend more money on. Well, they have a designated international player. So right. you get one of them per team. There's some guys that have the organizations in the MLB. A guy that I know is Aaron Altair. Jose Fernandez used to play for the Angels. Right. Um, so there's a couple of guys that you probably have heard of passing names. Never anyone that's going to be a superstar. Well, there's but, been some great players that have come yeah. out of Korea. Like Chan Ho Park. Yep, Chan Ho Dodgers back in the day. The consensus best pitcher last year before he got injured and Hung Jin Ryu was from the Korean League as well for the Dodgers. Yep, there's a lot of players that come out of that league and have success. So Korean baseball is, it's a different kind of baseball. It's not really the same kind. If you go back and look at when they actually have crowds, normally you would have like everyone being quiet when the pitcher's pitching or when you're on the, in the Korean baseball league, the whole time everyone's yelling and cheering and chanting. And it's almost more like a soccer match more than anything else or playoff baseball, which makes it kind of fun. If you ever get the chance, go and look at the archives of all the crowds. So it's kind of cool that we have that, but not as cool as having it with crowds associated. So that's my little Korean baseball tidbit. Well, I heard something funny about the Korean baseball. They had those little, you know, those little fake mannequins as people in the stands. Yeah. They had advertising on it, which they weren't allowed. They were advertising for adult entertainment. (laughs) So they got in trouble for that. So, yeah, they got fined. They're like, no, you have to take all those down. Yeah, that's not yeah, a good look little, for A little funny tidbit for you about Korean baseball. Yeah. Chan-ho Park and Hinjin Ryu. Hinjin Ryu. There's, there's been a lot of players that have came out and played in the MLB more than you'd realize. Look over the history of Major League Baseball. I mean, geez, you know, me being growing up in Cincinnati, Cincinnati Reds, they've had a great relationship with players from Cuba. And, I mean, Tony Perez. Yeah. Uh, old school guys for the big red machine before <laughs> you were born. I was just a little whippersnapper. <laughs> but the good old days. I'm just so glad that we're getting some sports back, though. Yeah, we're close. We're going to have basketball back sooner than you think, and it's going to be awesome, but we're going to probably have golf first. Yeah, that's going to happen. So before what would be the first else. tournament that they're uh, going to play? Because the U.S. Open. Would they be able to still play that? I think they're just going to push things back and start their season later. In order for this to work, they're going to have to go to where the scheduling was or would have been at this point and start there for a couple of weeks until they can organize getting the dates back together for the golf courses. So we're going to have golf before anything else. And we already had a little tidbit of on the golf channel, they had a match game for charity with you had Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson versus Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. Now, if you don't know who Matthew Wolf is, I imagine that most golf fans kind of know who those big three are. That's pretty much the big three in tennis, besides Tiger Woods, obviously. 
the up and comers in the game. Matthew Wolf just graduated from college and has played on the PGA Tour for one year. Right. And he's basically what some golf people have said the Zion Williamson of the golf game. He's coming up and he's going to be a rising star. So that's why if you haven't heard of him, that's why he was picked was because he's going to be super good. But the other reason is, is because they weren't allowed to have caddies because of COVID. There was no caddies. They were wearing shorts, which I mean, like you're like, well, whatever. People wear shorts in golf, but you don't see that on the PGA Tour. Like people wear slacks and they wear khakis. They wear all these different yeah. Pants, right? Long pants. You don't get short and you get caddies. Both uh, or all four of them had to carry their own bags, which was really cool to see. You asked Dustin Johnson, like, when was the last time he carried his bag? And he said, I can't remember. I, I haven't done this in forever. So there's a little bit of an advantage there, but Rory McElroy and Dustin Johnson. Hey, has Peyton it. Manning and Tom Brady played their uh, celebrity event against Tiger Woods of Phil Mickelson? That'll be that came up this weekend, so we had to pre-record this. So I'll let you know the winner next week. I know. Spoiler alert. How about that? How about Everybody, that? It's really enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, but yeah. it is Tuesday morning, and we are covering a lot of things that pretty much gonna people are just gonna marinate on the weekend anyway. And hopefully, you go out, you have a good time, and be safe. And don't marinate and drive. Truth. Truth. Do not want to marinate. Drink. Don't marinate smoke. and drive. Drive, none of that stuff. None of that. But if you're in your own house, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do. So, you no, know, I did a little endurance sport. Really need to get a road bike, but I took my mountain bike. I thought, you know, I'm curious. I wanted to find out what these trails are by the 405 freeway and you know, the one that goes up over. It's so I, I rode down you know, the bike trail and I took Barranco over and I started riding these trails and, and I rode all the way down to UCI. Yeah. I rode all those trails and I rode all the way back. I did 35 miles. That's trail. solid right there. That's <laughs> solid. Next time I need to get a road bike. Cause I did that on a mountain bike. Mountain bikes. Perfect for the dirt roads and the mountains and everything, which I truly enjoy, but I don't have another bike. And I just thought, man, I'm, I've been curious about these trails. And I didn't know what was up, but I didn't realize the really nice trails by UCI are actually, most of them are paved. Yeah. The San Joaquin reservation where you can go and walk around. There's lots of wildlife that are over by there. Yes. Uh, if you ever get the chance, it's definitely something nice to go peacefully look at some swans or geese, all that good stuff. There's a lot of little benches and it's a really nice place to hike and walk around if you get the chance and you're in the UCI area. Yeah, and there's a lot of nice preserves like the natural wetlands, things like that. I know Donald Brennan was a big conservationist and mm -hmm. made sure he did a lot of nice projects with that. But yeah. hey, this is a sports show. So yeah, it's a little bit about Irvine. We do know our Irvine history and how beautiful it is. Take advantage of those trails, be active. Mm -hmm. But I want to touch on NFL because we will come back because I got a lot of notes from the last dance because we got to close right. that out. You got to close that out nicely. I like it. So we'll get to that later. But first, I want to hop in the NFL because I know the NFL's coming up and they're proposing a new idea, or not a new idea, a new rule change where it will just basically eliminate kickoffs. So get rid of kickoffs. And if you want to do the so-called onside kick, now it will be a fourth and 15. You start on your own 25 and you have to convert a fourth and 15. Basically, you got one play to get 15 yards. But it gives you time to run an entire play rather than line up for a kick and you fake it, run for 15 yards. Yeah. You got an offensive play. And then, like you said, it benefits the Kansas City Chiefs if that role change yeah. goes through because they got Patrick Mahomes. And yeah. 
who can air it out. I think you're going to see that that be a very popular decision. If they decide to go with that, this is going to be a popular one where you got to get 15 yards. Like how many teams pass super well? There's like, I can name you five teams that have really good wide receivers. You throw a jump ball for 15 yards. You got a guy that can go get it. I think this is going to be a pretty popular decision for you. I looked at the stat just on the passing aspect. So the Chiefs, they only faced one fourth of 15 or but they always elected to punt. They didn't even try to go for it. Or they might have went for one and didn't get it. Patrick Mahomes on 30-15 was 12 out of 16 passes. That's, <laughs> See, that's 75% completion. That's what I'm saying. It's like and, hmm. and that crazy run he had in the Super Bowl, he went more than 15 yards on that run. Remember that? When he just went down yeah. the sideline, he kept going. I mean, he got like 30-something yards out of that play. That was huge. That was a huge play. 12 for 16 on third down, yeah. right? Is that what you said? Yeah. On 30-15. Third of 15 and more, he was 12 out of 16. That's some pretty incredible stats right That's there. That's 75% of the exactly. time. Exactly, 75%, exactly. If you're going to say, all right, we give you a 75% odds of you getting this first down and keeping the ball, and then the other team will never touch the ball. You're going to spend – They can go up four touchdowns to none. and <laughs> Like if you're giving them 75% – Before the other team gets a chance to get the ball, they finally get the ball. I know. That's what I'm saying. The team will never get the ball or they'll have the ball for one-fourth of the time. But there wasn't more like, – There wasn't other information saying if there are going to be kickoffs at the beginning of games or the beginning of halves, if we're still going to have that. I mean, if you're going to eliminate part of it, then all it's going to come down to is you're just going to have a field goal kicker. And that part, the special teams. So if that happens, how do you reconstruct your roster? Obviously, you'll have your 11 players on offense and defense. I know you had an extra seven for the special teams. Since special teams, you'll have to be able to do both, I imagine. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, they're still figuring it out. I think they have looked at what the XFL has done and the success of the XFL, what they've done, and they're trying to figure out ways to improve their game because this is kind of a an opportunity for you to be creative, right? In general, in sports, it's like if you wanted to try something, which is why I think partially like the NFL should try new things. This is the time to do it. Now is the time. Now is the time to do it. And also the NBA has the opportunity to be creative as well. If you were, I remember we were talking about a mid-season tournament, right, for the NBA. Do you remember talking about that? Right. This is the time to experiment with something, right? Because if this is going to be, you know, COVID having an effect on everything, find out if it works and see if it works now, you know? Under the circumstances. Exactly. This is where you can explore. You know, baseball's exploring uncharted territory. It's a matter of getting the players, you and everybody together, and hopefully they can figure something out. Yeah. And I think that would be a nice 82-game season. And then while their season's getting under the way, NBA will be in the postseason. Right. It'll be cool because everybody's enjoy it. That's where you get the best basketball. If you took those, the three sports that we talk about the most, you know, the MLB, the NBA, and the NFL, and then you obviously you have like college basketball, college sports in general. If you take those three, they have the opportunity with three golden ideas. You have the MLB having a shortened season, which will make games more meaningful, which means people will pay right. attention more. You have that opportunity to play 82 games. You have the NBA to try something that is a mid-season tournament, a tournament in general that you've been trying to do. And then in the NFL, you have the opportunity to engage fans more by what they've done and make the game safer. By what the XFL has done, you can go and try to emulate with some of the things, some of the media stuff, some of the, the different coaching angles, right? There's a lot of positives that came from there, and you can apply it to your game. And it's like they have this golden opportunity right now where you're never going to get something like this 
hopefully not ever again, where you have the opportunity to be creative and find out if these things work. But I don't know if some of them are going to listen to what I'm saying. And maybe they have already pitched what I'm saying. But you have to be creative here because this is an unprecedented time. And this is when change is going to happen. Well, here's this. So now the NHL, this is very interesting. I want to share yeah. this with you because I've been keeping up with the NHL and what they're proposing right now for their season to conclude is to start to go right into the playoffs once they warm up, obviously, have a 24-team conference-based playoff format. Now the teams with the top four seeds in each conference, they would get a bye in the first round. In the first round, seeds 5 through 12 would play a best-of-five series. Out of those eight teams, four will advance, and then those four will play the top four seats. Then, then it'll be, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I See love that. I mean? Like this is what we're just talking about. Like something new that's a little different. NBA could do something similar to that. With the NBA, the bottom dwellers don't want to have any chance to get into the postseason as it is. They're ready to move on into the offseason. It's just a different scenario. But for hockey, I think that would be great for hockey. That'd be great for hockey. I would love to see the Ducks have an opportunity to win this. So we'll see what happens with that. But But also, I mean. Here, real quick, I'll just share the top four seats. So you have the Boston Bruins, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Washington Capitals, the Philadelphia Flyers would get a bye. And on the Western Conference, it would be the St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and the Dallas Stars would get byes. But then when you look down the line, still the Ducks don't get it. The Ducks wouldn't get in. They don't have a chance. The Kings and the Ducks are the two teams that are left out of this. Well, that's fine. They'll get a better draft position. As far as the NBA and why, you bring up a good point where it's like some of these bottom-dwelling teams, Right. they're not going to risk this. They're just going to go in the draft. Perfect. Let them go and play whoever they want. They have to show up and let them play the Lakers or let them play the Bucks, and then just move past that. Give them a bad team to play first so that you have more of an incentive for the teams that have done well this season. I think partially you have to kind of think of this as an opportunity to grow and the NHL has done that. And I think that model is way more appealing to watch than just starting the playoffs as they were with all these teams with the rust and, you know, there's more it's fun more to teams involved, but teams obviously like the Ducks and the Kings are just having, you know, terrible seasons. They're ready to focus in the off season and get things improved for each of their teams. But with that said, I do like what the NBA is doing is having a five game warm up. That way it allows any of these teams that are within range to have an opportunity to, to snag something while getting in shape. And then the playoffs starting because the NBA was pretty much at the end of the season. I mean, it, it was on the home stretch. It was like it was on the home quarter stretch. mile. It was already yeah. like going and then that sudden stop. Obviously, we're all affected by it. But so I like the fact that the playoffs are going to get going because you want to see what's up. Really, when it comes down to the NBA, you want to see the best teams play. You want to see the best players compete against one another. So I can't wait for the Lakers Clippers series. Okay, well, it's probably, Bring it on. Prob- probably going to happen. But if you look at the, I mean, the, the gap between teams, right? Teams that are already in the playoffs, there's not much of a five game gap between spots, right? right. So you're not going to see like, oh, Orlando wins five games and they're going to jump all the way up to be past Indiana at the five seed. It's not going to happen. Could Orlando get into the playoffs? They're the eight seed right now. So Washington is 
five and a half games back from them. So they wow, would so the five games out. really wouldn't do them any good anyway because they're five and a half back. So which is why they're probably doing this. I mean, the only ones that you would really pay attention to is the Western Conference right now. The Memphis has a three-game lead over a similar records in Portland, New Orleans, and Sacramento. I mean, you could even argue the Spurs being yeah. in there. Do you have a so a, this really affects the teams that were the Western right Conference. there in the hunt? Yeah, that had a chance. And with 17 games to go, probably would have helped them. But had they caught a winning streak and had some momentum, yeah, or Memphis yeah. like takes a losing streak or something. So it's, which yeah, you still it take it at the them. end of the day. The best teams are in the top eight seeds. Can you think of a team that's a very good team that's not in the top eight seed other than the Warriors because they're the Warriors they're, are last this year. That, that would not, be the only one really. But they're, they're not good this year, and they're not good right now. But they're going to be. Um, this this is a one year thing for the Warriors. I'm telling is, you, this yeah. is the only year that this is happening that they'll lose 50 games and only win 15 that's it that's not ever going to happen yeah we'll see. not with this crew together in the next several years when they come back steph curry clay thompson and i heard a crazy nba trade rumor involving miles turner and andrew wiggins that's a possible for the warriors they have said, came out and said, we're not moving Andrew Wiggins. He has an opportunity where he doesn't have to be the superstar. And when you take pressure that's true. off. You don't him, even know what you have with Andrew good. Wiggins. Yeah, it's like, why yeah. would you rush? I know that's the thing with the media. They're always like, oh, the Warriors could do this and that. It will give them an athletic center. But they've had athletic centers. They've had JaVale McGee. Yeah, I, it's no different from yeah. it's no different from getting an athletic center. But even then, it's like they ran out JaVale McGee for 15 minutes a game. You're not getting a superstar in return. Their team isn't built around big centers. Their team is built around speed guards and shooting. Guards and forwards. That guards can shoot. and forwards that can shoot. So I think they're going to look into the draft and they're going to say, if we bring in, you know, an Anthony Edwards or one of these guys, an Obby Toppin, if we bring in one of these guys who can play with speed and play fast and can shoot, we can just run those five out there See, with the Draymond. Thing. It's like, why, would you, why would you trade Andrew Wiggins? But what if exactly. you do look out and you do get Obi Toppin? Would he be more the center? That, I think he fits more. Anthony Edwards is a 6'5 guard. He's going to be an incredible player. He's the number right. one pick. He's projected to be the number one pick for a reason because he is the next big thing. But Obi Toppin is too. If you look at it from the perspective of the Warriors, you have to think, okay, where they does can, it They can have an opportunity to snag one of those two players. Right. You have an opportunity to snag one of those two players, and if the lottery doesn't fall your way, then you end up with an even great player. If you land in the top five in this draft, you're getting the guy that's going to change your franchise. Just in the top five, this is a really deep draft. You're looking at guys that came out of high school that were amazing athletes like Vernon Carey Jr. He's going in the mid rounds to late first round. That's a guy that is going to come in and change the NBA. He's in super athlete. You see all these guys that I just look at and I've looked at since high school and in their college careers and they're going to go to the NBA and their draft evaluation is super far from where we kind of pictured it two years There's ago. There's another really good prospect you didn't mention is James Wiseman. He's pretty- James Wiseman, yeah. The Warriors yeah. could go get him too and that that solves your center problem but i just they that really doesn't fit the style of play that they go after they go after these small speed guys so i could see them going and drafting obby or you know Toppin or anthony edwards with the first two picks and then run out of a starting five that's small you know if you end up with steph curry and then if you would you would push if you got anthony edwards you would go anthony edwards at the shooting guard clay thompson small forward andrew wiggins power forward 
and Draymond Green at the center. But if you add Toppin in there, then you keep Clay Thompson at the two, and then you would put Toppin at the four position and Andrew Wiggins at the three. So it's basically like what was the lineup before? You would run Steph Curry with Clay Wiggins. you well when the team hasn't been healthy when Wiggins has been there. So no, no, they haven't. I mean, Clay hasn't played with anybody, anyone. So and I Steph think Steph only played with Andrew once or twice, if that. Yeah, something. I think if you gave the starting five, if you gave the starting five to me, you would run out Steph at point guard, Clay Thompson at shooting guard, Wiggins at the three position, Draymond at the four, and then the five would be Marquise Chris. Which that's not. I mean, like that's pretty good starting five, but it's not like going to I mean, be. Yeah, but. OB Toppin, would he be a five? You would you would take him out, you would take out Marquise Chris, and you would put Toppin in, and then you would have Draymond be technically the center. Yeah. Toppin's six nine. He's a big guy who's yeah. athletic. So it's like Toppin, you know, he kind of reminds me of Lem Bias a bit. I mean, Lem Bias, but one thing Lem Bias did have was a jump shot. My God, he had the sweetest shot. He could shoot 20, 22 feet. I'm sure, you know, in today's day and age, he, he'd be knocking three pointers down. He was that gifted. But he was explosive like Sean Kent, where he just explode to the basket and dunk and do all this crazy stuff for Maryland. Yeah, that's who Obi Topham kind of reminds me of, like that and a little bit of Kenya Martin. I don't know. He's definitely got a lot of promise. Like, I think he plays bigger than his size. <laughs> He's a big dude. He's a big guy. He's 6'9". He, he reminds He's me so of, athletic. Very similar to Jason Tatum. And we've seen how well Jason Tatum has progressed in his career. He's one yes. of the best players in the NBA right now. So I didn't say he's the best or he's going to, you know, he's an all-star for sure. And he's the reason why Boston has been so successful this year and the previous couple of years since they've gotten him. So if you get anywhere close to that in one of these two guys, then you're going to be set and the, the Warriors will be back. But it's just getting there, you know, it's, it's like – right. A lot of things still have to it's happen. It's a process. There's a lot of variables, but it's getting this season off, and that's what we're most excited. Some unfortunate news in the NBA over the weekend was uh, the passing of Coach Jerry Sloan. Yeah. When I think of Utah Jazz, I always remember Stockton Malone running the pick and roll to AT. I mean, they've had players around that assisted them, you know, Jeff Hornacek back in the day and Brian Russell, all these other really good players that they've had on the team. But Mm -hmm. it's just those guys ran it so beautifully. And you look at Carl Malone, like the game that he had, the style of game, like he was a big power forward, but just had the most beautiful jump shot great free throw shooter and yes he is the second all-time leading scorer in nba history i know lebron's chasing him down though lebron's got time lebron can chase him down become the scoring leader lebron will eventually become the scoring leader do you give him another four years i mean jerry sloan you know he was a feisty guard way back in the day for the chicago bulls yeah he's a feisty player but a great coach so 78 that's it's young these days. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Rest in peace. Thank you for Rest all you've done, Coach Jerry Sloan. Speaking of the NBA, I know you've been watching The Last Dance, and mm-hmm. man, so much to catch up on this. But this is really good. This is one thing that really kind of has cured my craving for like weekend sports because by the weekend, I'm just jonesing for something. And then I look forward to that. And those two hours, I'm just zoned out watching mm-hmm. it. Then I watched the after thing with uh, Scott Van Pelt, his after game. And it's just awesome. Uh, I like, yeah, I like watching all that stuff. These last two episodes, you know, so every week is, it's something we got to see, but at least you got to see who the Bulls are, why they are so great in the nineties, why Michael Jordan is considered the greatest of all time, just because how he changed the game from that traditional seven footer being the big guy, wins your championships, which still does. 
Mm-hmm. That being Kevin Durant, that style seven footer. <laughs> I know. I think it was episode seven. They started talking about the game five. It was the 97 finals. It's the first year they played Utah. And it was after the year after they had their best season, the 72 10 season. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was game five. And it, they always, they always referred to it as the flu game. Yeah. And the thing I always thought it was, Oh, he had the flu that day. Cause I've watched it. I watched that game. Yeah. It's the finals. Everybody's watching it. Mm-hmm. And it was a courageous effort by Michael Jordan to be playing in all that pain and sickness. And it turns out he admitted, I didn't have the flu because I had food poisoning. I didn't know that. Like no one knew that. And at that time in that day and age, for information like that to leak out, it's a little bit harder because you didn't have the social media. What we have today, he said he just had a pizza and had food poisoning. So they must have doused something to the pizza that gave him food poisoning. Well, you know, hoping that he wouldn't play in the game. And this happened to Kobe Bryant during the playoffs up in Sacramento. Ordered some late night food, got food poisoning. It was sicker than a dog the next game. And he's still scorched him. He basically had a Jordan-like performance. Yeah. It's and like, I, F you, you get me sick. And, you know, and it's – what What are you going to say? It's like, how ironic. Oh, I, I just immediately get food poisoning from this. Like, there was something in there. Yeah, and I think that also you, you have conspiracy to – Conspiracy theorists. Conspiracy theorists. I never theory, knew but, that it – I was always thought it was the flu game. I didn't know it was the food yeah. poisoning game, you know? I think the theory and thing you can learn is you got to be careful with late-night food. Because you're not getting the freshest ingredients. You're not getting the good for you kind right. of stuff. It sounded like he ordered a pizza with extra pepperonis. And the, you know, if you're ordering a pizza in you know, Salt Lake midnight. City, Utah at yeah. midnight, you're not. I mean, I, I've seen enough bar rescues to know that you shouldn't be ordering from a random Trust place. Trust me. If anybody knows, Salt I know Lake here. City. Do you remember the pink dot? The pink dot. Before you had all this Uber Eats and you know, restaurants on the run, there was the pink dot. And when I was living in Costa Mesa back in the day, they would have like a late night service where it's just like a convenience store. So I was like, oh, that looks good. They had a lot of options. I'm like, I'll grab this sandwich and that and that. Get it? Man, everything went down great. Four or five hours later, I was thought I had a hangover, but I was violently ill, but it was food poisoning. Yeah. And it made sense. It's like, I should have learned my lesson. Why did I eat that crap food that's been sitting there all day like a like exactly. a hot dog at a gas station hot dog, how it just sits there and you can just hear the things turning and it's just getting so well done. <laughs> Yummy. <Yeah. laughs> that's, like, that's like trying to eat something at 7-Eleven. Did you ever watch uh, on Netflix, The Tiger King? Yes. Did you ever watch that? Yes. When they were making the pizza, that's which kind of pizza you're getting in like Oklahoma City at midnight. That's the kind of stuff. So that's the kind of the common theme is like you don't <laughs> – like if you're an athlete, pack your own snacks. Like they, there should have been a nutritionist with any sort of like calorie, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. They should have been ready to go for that for Michael too. But right. But the point of all this – pepperoni pizza at midnight, that's not <laughs> – No, I know. And the point of all this is that the fact that he had food – poisoning the fact that michael jordan was sick he still is the best player on the floor still drops 38 points on him helps engineer the victory that's what's incredible and kobe did the same thing with the sacramento kings in the playoffs yeah. I mean, there were some rivals they got him sick what did kobe do he he made him pay yeah any excuse to rise your game and i think that's what jordan did he would come up with anything to really try and and find a competitive edge over people so Super good. I wanted to know, what was your the biggest takeaway that you had from the entire documentary series? What was the biggest takeaway from you? 
The biggest takeaway is that you really get to see the dominance of Michael Jordan during the 90s, just how he ran the NBA. It was led by him, and he had a lot of help. He had a lot of great teammates. Scottie Pippen, I really thought, was kind of villainized up until the, the last episode where they talked about Game 6 of the 1998 NBA Finals when Michael Jordan was completely spent. I mean, they were just so exhausted. And I remember watching that game where Utah blew the Bulls out in game five in Chicago to bring it back to Utah. And Utah was still down three games to two. But in that game, with 41 seconds to go, Utah was up by three points. And then coming out of the uh, timeout, Chicago Bulls is on a two for one. That's what Phil says. Take something quick. So what does Jordan do? Very first play, Jordan just drives to the basket and takes the layup. Boom. Now they're down by one. They go back down to the other end. And George just like dead tired and comes around on the right side of Malone and slaps the ball loose. And he's like, yeah, he goes, I saw that play ran all for the entire game. They've been, that was like their go-to play because I knew they were going to go to it. He goes, Malone forgot that I didn't clear out with the screen and he stole the ball. And that's when he made the game winning shot. But in that game, it started with a Scotty Pippen going down the low post, supposed to shoulder a lot of the offense. And uh, he turned around for a dunk and he like threw his back out. And so he was grimacing in a lot of pain. So for the rest of the game, he was getting his back worked on, but he kept coming out and trying to play. Mm-hmm. And then finally he did play in the, in the second half with all that pain and had a great game, had some great defensive stops too, but it, it allowed Michael just to have enough energy to close out the game basically. With 41 yeah. seconds ago, Jordan won the game. Definitely. He drives in, gets the, the layup to get him within one. Makes the steal on Carl Malone because he knew what play was going to run. Takes it back up, clears everybody out, cross Brian Russell over, hits the game winner. They still had to stop the Jazz on the last play. Jazz still had seven seconds to score. They got off a good look, just didn't go in. Yeah, that's how it goes. Um, Just didn't go in. But not to say that the Utah Jazz weren't a great team. But the biggest takeaway, you just get to see how great Michael Jordan was. Right, But I also have to say how great Scottie Pippen was. That was, was my biggest was takeaway. And I think that, that kind of segues me into another question. So Scottie Pippen, after watching this documentary series, was really upset about how he was portrayed. Do you feel like you agree that Scottie should be upset that of his portrayal in this film, like this film series? Absolutely. Uh, you figure all the years and all the hard work he's put into being the great player that he is and how great of a teammate he really was and how everybody loved Scottie Pippen. You know, in that 93-94 season when, when Jordan was retired, because Jordan, his style is like you said, you may agree with it, you may not. He was tough on people. Where Scottie, he elevates your level of play around you. He's kind of like the, the Magic Johnson, if you will. He's very charismatic but not as flamboyant, say, like a Magic Johnson. He's just – well, his, my, Magic Johnson's smile is so contagious. They have to create vaccines for that. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, get back to Scotty. He's just a very nice persona, and everybody – all his teammates were like, we love you, Scotty. We love you, Scotty. You know, and that's the kind of player I always remember Scotty Pippen to be, but highlighting some not-so-good moments. You know, the time he threw the chair out of frustration or the time they gave him a hard, a lot of hard stuff about a hard time about not coming in on the last play of the game that Tony Kukoc ended up hitting a game winning shot. They kind of vilified him there. And then about his contract, they vilified him there. But it's like, no, in this day and age, he wouldn't even get vilified. He would be like, oh, yeah, he's yeah, pay the man, pay the yeah. man. And you're right. He ends up with more salary than 
Michael Jordan ever earned in the NBA at the end of the day. But, yeah, I just think Scotty, well, from what I remember, is Pippen and Jordan, and they just ruled the 90s, basically. It didn't matter who was around. As long as they had a good defensive stopper, could have been Horace Grant, could have been Dennis Rodman, didn't matter. But those two guys together were going to win a lot of championships, and they did. They won six. Yeah. After watching the documentary, a couple of things that stood out to me was the importance of team, right? I know that they kind of, they focus everything around Jordan, but I don't think Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan without cast and crew around him. I think he's a super, he's essentially like, if you put one superstar on one team, you're essentially, you know, the same player, but you don't win, right? Look at Devin Booker. Look at what Devin Booker has done. And look at the winning that he's gotten. He hasn't – they haven't won anything. But he is putting up really great numbers, and he is a superstar in his own aspect, in his own right, that doesn't get the credit that he deserves. Now, it's not like saying, okay, Devin Booker is Michael Jordan, but I'm using the the analogy of look at a star that's on a bad team. If Michael Jordan in the – when he first came out and was playing the Celtics and he was having to do things by himself. I mean, right. you can kind of point at that. Like he's really no, good, he had, but he, they're never going to be the Celtics. tremendous individual effort. He was the best player on the floor. Even Larry Bird said he was the best player on the floor, but it, it's the best team that wins. Exactly. And like Michael Jordan's third season in second season, he was out to a foot injury. So he didn't play that much as I think he played like 18 games. But he did go to the postseason. Yeah. The following year, he averages 37 points a game. 87, 88, he averages 35. 89, he averages 32 and a half, then 33.6. That was the last year of him not winning anything. And finally, the following year, his scoring average dips down a little bit. It's 31.5. But for Jordan, you know, who's usually in the 35, 37 range, his assists were up. His yep. assists were up. So if you look at it from that perspective, he finally got – he got the help that, that can, he needed. Yeah. And he understands that too. Trust me, he's he gives a he gives a lot of credit to Scottie Pippen. Right. But he when says he couldn't picture... have won the, he couldn't have won his six championships without Scottie Pippen. And you get it because he tried it on his own for six years and it didn't work. I get it, but I think that also the people when before, you know, people who are generations after, they they only know Michael as this legendary figure. And I feel like people only remember Michael. But the reality is, is that he was on a really great team. And I think that's what I kind of I took away the most from it is that, you know, even Michael Jordan, you know, one of the best basketball players of all time, if not the best basketball player. But he player. made them a great team. He, because, yeah. Yeah, he was extremely competitive. And if you weren't going to be operating on his level, you weren't going to be there. You weren't going to be there. And you also – wouldn't have gotten Michael Jordan as Michael Jordan. All Jordan cared about was winning championships. You never heard about him, you know, bragging about being the scoring title or try to win the scoring title or win defensive player of the year, which he's won. (laughs) He's won both. He's won MVPs. He's won in the same year. He won defensive player of the year and the MVP. Yeah. Which is pretty impressive. So the man, I mean, he, he's just an amazing player. I guess what transcends from it. The very first time where a, a player on the wing, a six-six guy, dominates the game. It's usually mm-hmm. the seven-footers have had the history of dominating the game, and he did that. And he kind of set that new trend of those style of players. I mean, Kobe modeled his game after Michael Jordan. And Kobe, again, had that same DNA in Michael Jordan where just that, that Mamba mentality, like Kobe says. 
Mm-hmm. Never give up attitude and don't care what other people think. You want to be the best. You have it in you. Like that self-confidence yeah. is so high. And that's kind of, you know, how it is. He said, Rip Hamilton said the only player that he ever feared was Kobe Bryant. He didn't fear anyone else. And that's the guy that played with Jordan. So, I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, I think that when it comes to the documentary series, the more and more I watch it, it's so focused around Michael Jordan, how great he was and this this figure and he draws so but much also attention. his basketball IQ. It, he, well, what I was going with it is I think he draws so much of this attention to himself that he just kind of had these moments where in the documentary, you saw him get really affected by the things that people were saying about him. So I think Michael in general is he's motivated by some stuff to get, get done and, and win games but I also think he values the opinion of others to a point where right. it would drive him to go further and further and he would use it as a driving point and that oh, would yeah. drive the he, relationships away. He's made stuff up. Yeah, he's <laughs> made stuff up. that for up. motivation, which, I mean, that's awesome. That's the kind of player you want to have in your organization. All he cared about was winning. He just wanted to win at all costs. That's the thing about Michael Jordan. That's why he was so great. And he used every little tidbit for motivation, motivation, motivation. It's just amazing how he always stayed focused on the prize and stayed focused on, on winning these championships. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady does the same way, different, in, in a different style, but same thing. He has it in him. He's, he's a competitor. You see him on the sidelines. He wants to win, win championships, keep his team calm and cool. Joe Montana broke my heart, but – that winning drive against the Cincinnati Bengals in the 88 Super Bowl, or the eight, it was played in 89 from the 88 season. He gets up there. He's got like, you know, like less than two minutes to go to drive the, the length of the football field, maybe even longer, like 90 yards. The team's kind of nervous. He looks over. He goes, hey, guys, John Candy's over there. And then everybody just kind of relaxed, and then he just got in a rhythm and broke my heart. Well, it happens. Broke it good. It happens. Yeah, everyone's been there as a But now we got fan. Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. We'll Savior. see what ends up happening. Yeah, but this him. has been great. I really enjoyed The Last Dance, and it's great for the younger generation to finally get a little taste. And, yes, it's always going to be, okay, so this is in Michael Jordan's view. But still, I thought it was done very well. I just thought the Scottie Pippen part, you should really show all the hard work that he had done because he was right there with Jordan. It was Jordan Pippen, Jordan and Pippen. Yeah, and I, I think that they kind of messed that up. I also would have loved to see if they had film footage of Michael and Steve Kerr going at it. That would have been great, but they didn't have that. They only interviewed oh, yeah. and I saw Steve Kerr that stood that. his ground to Michael Jordan, and then Michael Jordan respected him after that. And Steve Kerr knew, like, I need to adopt the role that John Paxton had here. Yeah. And, and he owned it. And you, you go and you get the – the film of him at the end where he goes, Michael, you pass it to me. I'll be ready. And Michael Jordan just sipping on his Gatorade just shakes his head like, okay, for sure. Get it done. Like, Steve Kerr's done one thing that Michael Jordan has never done in his career. What is that? Won four championships in a row. Yeah, that's true. Because after the 98 Bulls, he goes down to San Antonio and joins Popovich and wins a championship in a strike year. The one that Phil Jackson says, you should put an asterisk by it. Yeah. That was the best. You talk about motivation. He gave the Spurs so much motivation by the asterisk. But the Lakers did win three straight championships. Then the following year, the Spurs win it. Then the Lakers get back and lose it. The following year, the Spurs would clean up the Lakers' mess. (laughs) That's crazy. Mm -hmm. That was a fun decade of basketball. 
Well, let me ask you, who has more championships, Michael Jordan or Robert Ori? Robert Ori does. He's got yeah, seven. seven. Yeah. Think about That's the players kind of he played with. He played with Akeem the Dream, played mm-hmm. with Clyde Drexler and Otis Thorpe, Mad Max. <laughs> Kobe, Shaq. <laughs> and then Kobe and Shaq era. And, That's then, crazy. and then Tim Duncan. He didn't play Tim with David Duncan. Robinson. Robinson was already retired. Yeah. The Admiral. I like the Admiral. Yeah, he's still a good dude. He, he, he was good, but there was a story where when Shaq was coming up, and I know Coach Dale Brown talked a little bit about it, but Shaq really talked about it. I, I think it was in the Shaq and Dale documentary. But Shaq said he was in high school, and he went to a game, and he was trying to get David Robinson's autograph, and Robinson snubbed him, mm-hmm. and that made Shaq mad. When Shaq got to the NBA, he had that extra – effort just to want to destroy Robinson and the first couple of times Robinson would have beaten Shaq's team because he was just so quick and agile mm-hmm. he's been in the league he's established but when Shaq was going one-on-one with him he met the thunder dunk him and just disrespect him like just ran him over in any way all-star game he like ran him over in the all-star game that was like to start it off when he was still in the east mm-hmm. and then of course when he became the Laker I remember one of the this powerful move he had to get the ball down low and he spins around, dunks it in Robinson's face as he's falling down. And he just kind of gives him a little extra nudge and just finishes his ball up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. The good old days. But yeah, Robinson was great. Ori was seven. Ori was seven. Who has the most? Bill Russell. How he's many does 11. he have? He's got 11. 11 yeah. yeah. And then there's a lot of Celtics in between there that just have like nine, eight, seven. Seven. What's it? Havlicek has seven. Yeah. Something like that. It's all that. those Celtics teams from way back in the day that they just – Well, it's from the eight, Pete. Yep. It's kind of like, you know, back in the day on SNL, they used to have the uh, Thaw Bears, Thaw Bears. <laughs> they have one Sega where Jordan comes on. Like they would always <laughs> reference the Celtics eight, Pete, talking about the Bulls, how they would go. We're talking a minimum eight, Pete, here. They were mainly uh, Grill and Michael Jordan. They said, oh, yeah, you've got the 1992 Olympic Dream Team. Why don't you go play the countries by yourself? And Jordan's like, I don't think they let me do that, guys. And they go, well, how about you and a certain Coach Ditka? <laughs> and then Chris Farley has a heart attack because he can't yeah. handle the news. It's just, yeah, it's just a funny skit of SNL. You think about if Jordan hadn't retired, could they have won eight in a row? Would he have enough energy to make it through? Well, that's what uh, Jerry Reinsdorf was saying. The very end of this whole documentary is that there wasn't a chance in the world that they would come back after the 1998 season. Right, there's a lot of salary implications and said Pippen like would they, not be back. They kind of had the rebuild from there. So, But I let's say think- if they did it one more year, they resigned, they'd end up, they would have to work out something with Scottie Pippen. They would have to go over the cap. But let's say they did it. They went all ahead and stretched it. Let's do it. Keep mm-hmm. Robin just for that that next year because that's the year that Robin ended up going to the Lakers and he only played Robin only ended up playing 18 games after that 98 team because he yeah. went to Dallas and he just flamed out and that was it. But could that team had stayed focused enough to be able to beat a team like the Spurs in the finals who were who had probably not. I, I mean, like quarters. I'd like to, I'd like to say yes. And Steve but... Kerr still goes to the Spurs. They probably would let him go. Yeah, if if you were to ask me, you know, was the dynasty done at that point, I'd say yes, because the Spurs were getting better. All good things come to an end. Um, yeah. And so for That's why Michael I'm glad Jordan. It, I'm, I'm glad it, it finished the way it did. That was yeah, sweet to say. Now the legacy is that he's the greatest basketball player, but if 
he would have played and lost, then we would have a different opinion of him. And then the whole 41 seconds to go game six of the 1998 NBA finals bulls up three to two, but they're down by three points. They have the ball. And George just at the, after that timeout, George just knew what to do. He drives in for the layup, gets a great defensive play. Because he knew what play that was. He saw it a million times, and he just snuck in there and stole it from alone. Mm-hmm. And then he hits the game-winning shot. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful basketball. Yep. You think about that. What if that shot missed? It, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't. <laughs> Michael Jordan so, just shows you how great he is. He just, like knew, is. he just knew, I'm closing this game out. And to come back from down three points in that style of basketball they played in the 90s was very aggressive defense. Mm-hmm. To be able to pull off that 41-second segment is, is unreal. But LeBron James did it in the finals against the Warriors. Yeah. I think it was Kyrie Irving that had to go ahead bucket because LeBron passed to him, whereas Jordan well, did it all. No. Yeah. In that one, Kyrie, um, like he had to do a little bit of dancing, and he got a shot off over a hand. Yeah, he, but he, he made a big shot. He but, made but LeBron shot. made a big defensive play. Yeah, I and I mean LeBron has shown for throughout his entire career that he's willing to take the game winning shot, but um he's also willing to distribute it to win the game. And that's the style um, player he is. He's the Magic Johnson style player. Michael Jordan's a unique player. Michael Jordan just was out to kill you. Well like Kobe I think Bryant did. LeBron is the most gifted I think Magic said this. LeBron is the most gifted basketball player he's ever seen, but the greatest basketball player was Michael Jordan. I think that's kind of how it is, you know? Like, Yeah, and I can see Magic saying that. Cause, you know, because you think LeBron has a lot of Magic Johnson's game. Well, that more style than that. Game, but he has the physique. Well, I, I think it's a little bit more than – I think the all-around game for LeBron James is – He's the best basketball player of all time in terms of all-around game. There's no one that fills the stat sheet better than him all time. He triple-doubles, like defensive stats, everything that you can point to. LeBron James was a significantly more well-rounded player, but if you ask the greatest basketball player of all time, it's Michael Jordan, Like, but the most sure. gifted and, is LeBron James. And all that he's accomplished, too, Michael Jordan. I mean, heck, he's won two gold medals, one as a college player because he wasn't in the pros yet, and then, of course, as a professional, a college championship, two NCAA Player of the Year, so he played three years of college. I mean, what an amazing career. Win six NBA championships, four NBA Finals MVPs, or five mm-hmm. final, or six Finals MVPs. Yep. Yeah, four, but he had four MVPs during that run when he was winning those championships. And then yeah. Malone ends up winning one of those MVP. That's what it was, too. That was another thing where George didn't win the MVP. They gave it to Malone. That was mm-hmm. another extra incentive. I remember Stu Lance used to say that a lot about Kobe Bryant. He goes, oh, you didn't win the MVP this year? That's all right. It's better to be the finals MVP. Yeah. Sure enough, Kobe wins the MVP in 2008. They lose in the finals at 9 and 10. He gets finals MVP. Well, and I just went off that ramp, but yeah, I agree with you. I think Michael Jordan is the greatest to ever play the game, at, you know, at his position. And you know, LeBron's still writing his history books. So we'll see where he closes out, you know, as far as longevity. I mean, look, we never thought Tom Brady would ever be the greatest quarterback ever. You think in the first ten years of his career, he's already a Hall of Fame career, and you're thinking like, okay, you could kind of argue he's the greatest of all time. But you always had Bradshaw and Montana that had the four Super Bowl rings. Now it's like. 
He's been denied Super Bowls. He's won six. It's about the the people around you. 13 AFC championship games. Yeah. Yeah, he's a competitive in his own sense, and or sixteen or something outrageous like that. It's something it's insane. The, it's the people that are around you. Like if you build a team that it has a leader like Tom Brady, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, like go down the list. You build a team around that, you will find success. So I don't think Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan if. 80 million ifs, but he is Michael Jordan because of how all that happened and how he was able to have this historical figure where he leaves this game where he's dominated and goes and tries a new game. And then if it wasn't for the lockout of the MLB, Michael Jordan would probably still be playing baseball. If they didn't draft Pippen, if, 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 if you go, there's a lot of ifs, 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 but I think Michael Jordan eventually would have returned to basketball. Yeah, even probably. during that time, it it just I think he needed the break because he I, you didn't realize how close he was to his father. I didn't realize his father was yeah. that close to him during the first three championships that he could ever wear twenty three again. And father see him win a championship that just really tore him up. And you saw that after the ninety six season when after he won the championship, where he's laying in the locker room and just bawling. Falling yeah. with the trophy, just thinking of his dad, like I won one without you wearing number twenty three. It's so heartfelt. It's like wow. Mm-hmm. The guy, you think he's larger than life, bigger than bigger than the world. He's like, oh, he's human after all. He doesn't want for you to think that he's bigger than the world. He just wants you to think that he's he's better than you at stuff. But I think he's still a person at the end of the day, which is the right. beautiful part of it. And I think he the emotion that he showed when they showed the interviews of all those players talking about him that really ate at him more than anything else. Because I mean, he is. He wants to be well-liked. He wants to be well, – Yeah, and he always you know, is going to be well-liked. I mean, come on. What well, he's done for the, I, for the sport of basketball and just the Jordan brand, well, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's another that's motivating factor for LeBron James. I mean, the Jordan brand set the precedent. Well, it, branding he's the first is ever from, billionaire athlete. I know, but the, the brand is different from what people's opinion of you are. You know, you can build this big Apple brand, but if people have an opinion on on that worked with, you know, well, Michael Jordan a has a, person, a really good reputation. I mean, for but you, that th- uh, when you think of Michael Jordan, the, you think he's dominated basketball. That didn't well, show the only in bad the thing about him is, is maybe his gambling addiction. Well, no, that didn't show in the documentary. They didn't yeah. show that they they casted Michael in a light that was he was hard to work with, like the. This was I wouldn't say happened. hard to work with, but he was very demanding. The, and like, very that's tough. what Steve Kerr said is like that he was demanding and tough, and, and you had Scotty whose leadership was, you know, he was more understanding. I think that's what really kind of – They each – I know, that's, that was so weird about, different. you know, but how well they gelled. It's like how Scotty Pippen's able – he has his style, but still asserts dominance over the team, as Michael Jordan has his style and how he's assert dominance over the team. Yeah. You know, so and, and winning. And, you know, Kobe was the same way. I mean, he had a certain work ethic. You're with him. Hey, that, that's the way it is. And if you're not, well, you know, so be it. But, so be it. Mm-hmm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we seem to be running out of time, but coming up next, you got Claudia Chambal to ask a leader. And what is she to us here at UCI, Matt, at KUCI? The gold standard of KUCI. The gold standard of KUCI. So she'll be coming up next, but you can catch this episode on anchor.fm, anchor.fm. 
type in sports matters. Yep. All sports matters. I love you, grandmas. 